in this book than in any other book that that he wrote. And we really we really come to know his heart through this book. And it is it is important that we understand his heart and learn from it. And one of the things that um he brought to the church at Corinth that we mentioned this morning was his defense of his apostleship, that that God had called him to, to this ministry. And I'm just going to begin reading in verse 8 of chapter 1, just read a few verses here. But he said, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf, for the gift granted to us through many. So he says, we were despairing even unto life. Life was very, very difficult for him. And he said, but you helping together in prayer for us, in verse 11, so that the gift that God, the calling that God gave, we were able to carry it out. In in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul again alludes to this, and he, a short, simple verse, he just says, brethren, pray for us. And, and I, I just want to take this opportunity, since 2 Corinthians is as personal as Paul gets, um, I just want to take this to, to personally just speak from my heart how to pray for me or whoever your pastor is, if you're visiting here tonight, how to pray for your pastor. And and it's just a simple acrostic, P-A-S-T-O-R, and and we'll, we'll jump into this. But honestly, there are many people that have said... Pastor, I just want you to know, I pray for you every day. And, you know, every time that one of those people that I know is doing that, and I know many of you do that, but every time one of those people dies, I'm thinking, man, there goes one aspect of a, another prayer protection, honestly. And and I I desperately need your prayers. I I know who I am and I know I can't do what God's called me to do apart from the power of God and the grace of God. And and so um it's important to realize the importance of prayer. Dr. Wilbur Chapman who 
was instrumental in writing commentaries, became a great pastor years ago, said that when he became pastor as a young man in a church in Philadelphia, after his first sermon, an older gentleman said to him, you're pretty young to be the pastor of this church. And Mr. Chapman said he thought, here's an old crank. What's he going to say next? But he said, but you preach the gospel, and I'm going to help you all I can. I'm going to pray for you that you will have the Spirit's power upon your life. And he said, two others have covenanted together with me to pray for you. Dr. Chapman said, I didn't feel so bad when I learned he was going to pray for me, but the three that were praying quickly became ten, and the ten became twenty, and the twenty became fifty, and the fifty became two hundred that met before every service to pray that the Holy Spirit would mightily empower my preaching. He said, I always went to my pulpit feeling that I had the direction and power of God upon my life. And he said, what a joy it was to preach when you knew that 200 people were specifically praying for you. He said, as a result of that, in the next three years, 1,100 were brought into our church by conversion, 600 of which were men. And it was the result, not of my preaching, but of the prayer. There is great power in prayer. And and so, unashamedly, I say, not just for preaching, but for my personal walk and purity. Um, Paul said, again, in 2 Thessalonians 3, he said, Pray for us... <coughs> that the Word of God would run swiftly in my life. You know, the, the most important aspect of my life and your life, but as a pastor, is my personal walk with God. It is more important than my personal study time. And, and, and there has to be a division between... I. I need to, as a sinner and as a child of God, I need to go to the Word of God for fresh bread. I need to go to the Word of God for my life, not for sermons. And and to pray for my personal walk with God, that, that it would be fervent, that it'd be growing, that it'd be vibrant, that it'd be fresh. Because everything in ministry hinges on that. Everything in ministry comes from that. And regarding the personal walk, just just my own personal life, my spiritual life, my um, my mental well-being, that I'd remember the things I need to remember and forget the things that I need to forget. For my moral well-being, I mean, 
the the strongest man in the Bible and the wisest man in the Bible and the man with the heart after God all succumb to moral failure. And let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Satan is out, as we mentioned this morning, it is spiritual warfare, and he wants to bring disaster and destruction, and um, this is one way. Um, So pray for my spiritual well-being, my mental well-being, my moral well-being, and my physical well-being. Um, I know compared to some of you, I'm not old, but I'm... I'm not a spring chicken anymore, all right? I'm an old broiler ready to be cooked, all right? And you boil it and make soup because it's too tough to eat, all right? But but the reality is none of us knows how many days we have left, but that our days would be fruitful and used for God's honor and glory. So that's just the personal walk and purity. Letter A, for my attitude. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 says to speak the truth in love. You know, it is easy to get cynical and negative in this type of ministry. I'm, I'm not saying these things... To feel sorry. Every job has its blessings and every ministry and occupation has its, its drawbacks. <clears throat> but it is easy to get cynical. I would say, I would, I haven't thought a lot through this, but I would say 90% of the counsel that I give, I can pretty well count on it's not going to be followed. Now, if you're only batting a hundred in baseball, you don't stay in there very long. If you only complete 10% of your passes, you don't stay in there very long. It, I mean, I'm serious. People come for stuff, and you can just about tell... They they want you to wave a magic wand, make everything better, and go their way. And yet, the only reason I'm still doing this after 42 years is because I know this is what God's called me to do, and I'm content with this. God has called me to do this, and He takes care of the results. Otherwise... I don't know what I'd be doing, but something else. And and it's easy to get a cynical attitude and think, ah, it's not going to do any good anyway. You know, that's why I like mowing grass. When I'm done mowing a lawn, it looks like something got done, and I can turn and look at it and say, wow, we actually did something. Honestly, I preach a message, it doesn't. And you see people grow, and then they one step forward, two or three steps back. So I'm just, these are the things that that take place. And I'm not saying this at all, feel sorry. This is just the way it is. So to pray. And 
to pray that I, my attitude would always be to have a servant's heart. <coughs> Christ came to serve, and we are not greater than he is, and, and I need to have a servant's heart. And pray my attitude, that I'd keep my attitude strong, that I would finish well. I mean, it doesn't matter how you run if you fall down or coming around the last corner, you know what I mean? That I'd finish strong. I, I can't think of any other way that I'd, to me it'd be just ideal if I died preaching, you know what I'm saying? But regardless, I want, to, and the chances of that happening aren't very great. And then I just thought, watch, it will happen. You know, I could have played a dirty trick on you and fallen over right here, but. And some, never mind. But honestly, there are, there, and in the Bible, many in their, in their last years fail God. Hezekiah asked for 15 more years. And he'd been better off if he didn't. In those 15 years, he dishonored God. So pray for my attitude. The S. <clears throat> pray for spiritual discernment. It is easy to be deceived. And spiritual discernment, to recognize right and wrong, honestly, there are, in understanding, good is always the enemy of the best. Good is always the enemy of the great. And, and there are many things that come that, that it doesn't look like it's off too far, but when you follow it to its end, it's off a long ways. There are many, many churches that have gone bad away from the Word of God Not that they all of a sudden decided we're going to discard all that. They just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And to have spiritual discernment. To have, to have wisdom in counseling. Um, wisdom in, in meeting with people and, and, and giving counsel. Um, and, and wisdom in preaching. To know what to preach. I mean, you look at, like this morning, you look at Second Corinthians, okay, where do we go with this, God? In every time, it doesn't matter what I think, I need to know what God wants for us. God knows what's going on here. So I need spiritual discernment. And then the T is, to, I just put down to be tough, tender, and teachable. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, and he said, Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. There's a part of it in the ministry that you just, you need to endure hardness. There, there needs to be, there needs to be a thick skin a lot of times. There's times that you need to let it be like water off a duck's back. But you can't be that all the time because you have to be tender too. And Paul said, I was among you as a mother caring for its young children. And, and there's wisdom 
No, you don't need to pay much attention to that. That's that's not correct. Yes, you do need to pay attention. And and there's that blending this 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 uh, having a a toughness to endure and yet a tenderness and at the same time always being teachable. <clears throat> Man, I am so glad that God has has never given up teaching me and I look back in my life and and I see the things that he's taught and some of the things that I've done and I shake my head and if I live long enough I'll probably look back to this and shake my head at at various things but there there needs that that delicate balance and and to always be teachable I mean I want to be an old dog that learns new things. You know what I'm saying? And not just for the sake of learning new things, but I want to be one that's growing and and developing. And so this aspect at the same time, um, being having a toughness and 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 it's been interesting to me how God has has used various things. I don't know if this is the way it is or if I'm just weird, but the older, you could say amen to I'm just weird, all right? But um, the older you get, the more you, I'm thinking about various things in I, in, that happened in my past, and I'm seeing how God put things together in my life to to develop, in, in, and I want to say the right sense, to develop a spirit, it doesn't really what man says. It only matters what God says. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else says. It matters what God says. And when it does matter what somebody else says, God will be the one that tells us if we protect, first of all, our personal walk with God. And so it is. It's having that delicate balance, and I can't always say that I've had that. So pray for me in that. Then organization, the O, organization. Um, you know, I'll come to you at the last minute. Oh, I forgot we need somebody for this. Can you do that? And you're saying, I wish you were a little more organized. Well, don't just say that. Pray for me. God can do the impossible. If he can make a donkey talk, he can work in my weaknesses, okay? And and not just organization in the church, but every one of us needs this. Priorities. What does God want me to do? We've mentioned often the article, Tyranny of the Urgent. There are, there are multitude of things to do, but... What is it God wants me to do? The urgent things are not always the most important things. And and to have wisdom in the organization, in establishing priorities. And the psalmist said, teach me to number my days. Why? So that I can apply my heart to wisdom. Um, you know, learning... 
learning to number our days to apply our heart to wisdom. I can't say I've totally learned this, but sporting events don't bother me me near like they used to. Yesterday's games or last week's or whatever, they don't bother me near like I used to. Maybe I've been a Viking and Hawkeye fan so long that you just expect major letdowns, all right? And... But but yesterday my boys were were messaging and said ah, those idiots and this and that and I said you're taking this too serious go out and do some yard work and Andrew said it's raining I can't <laughs> but you know I don't have a whole lot of days left and. Why waste it on being upset about something? Now, to some of you, it's he's finally coming around. He doesn't care about sports. Finally coming around. Well, we all have our things that we get bent out of shape on, all right? Um, and we need to make sure we're getting bent out of shape about the things that bend God out of shape. And that's where it's organization and <clears throat> and priorities. And then the R is for relationships. First of all, my relationship with God. Then my relationship with my wife. That first my relationship with God, but human relationships, the most important relationship, earthly relationship I have is with my wife. And God was very merciful to me and gave me the best preacher's wife ever. And and it, I believe that with all my heart. There have been many, many men that have gotten out of the ministry because of their wife for some other reason. There are many other men that... Um, that um, it was their own fault. But I think I've told you before, in college I was dating another girl, and Marilyn, I'd seen her in the kitchen and working and always had a smile. And I said, see, I wasn't very bright, but I was really bright. You see, it's a, And I said to this girl I was dating, that Marilyn will make someone a great wife. It wasn't very bright to tell her that, but it was wisdom, wasn't it? I mean, that was that was God right there. <clears throat> but you know what? You never can take anything for granted in a marriage. You hear about people in their 60s getting a divorce, losing their mind and taking off some and <clears throat> And pray for our relationship. We can't take it for granted. Then our relationship with our children and grandchildren. To pray for that. What's harder? Raising when you have kids that are babies or toddlers or tweeners or teenagers or in their 20s or adult children. What's harder? Yes, all of them, right? They all present 
difficult challenge, to encourage you that, that have babies. And I know you're thinking, if we can just get through this, the best is yet to come, we say with this cynical smile, you know. But honestly, you can enjoy every stage. There are wonderful things in every stage. But to have wisdom as the various stages change in dealing and when to keep your mouth shut and and when to that you need to say something <coughs> and um and just wisdom in that regard my relationships in the church um that I would nurture those and build those with with the people and then my relationships in the community Paul said to Timothy said one of the requirements is that that you would be spoken well of in essence those in the community that you have a good testimony of of those in the community so i can't emphasize enough and this is just a a brief sketch but i can't emphasize enough the need my need for your prayers Years ago, when Charles Spurgeon was still preaching in London, um, five young college students were spending the day in London, and they went to hear <clears throat> Spurgeon preach. And while they were waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked them, Gentlemen, would you let me show you around? And um, they said, Sure, that would be great. And the first thing he said was, would you like to see the heating plant of this church? They didn't want to be rude, but it wasn't like they wanted to go to the boiler room or anything. And and they said, okay, that'd be fine. And um, the young men were taken down a stairway, and a door was quietly opened. And the guide whispered, this is our heating plant. Surprise, the students looked in the door and saw 700 people bowed in prayer seeking the blessing on the service that was to about to start. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself, and it was none other than Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, anybody can preach when you have that many people praying for you. See, we get to heaven, and there are going to be people that will be rewarded greater than Charles Spurgeon, and it may be the people that faithfully prayed. It's not always the ones that are seen. And Jesus said, that which is done in secret, speaking of prayer, will be rewarded openly. And as the Apostle Paul said, brethren, pray for us. That's what I say to each of you. And I also say, thank you for your prayers for me and for us. And and I I say, don't be weary in well-doing. And, and if you haven't been... Please, please begin. 
Um, you know, it is. It is something that God will reward. And it's not because you're praying for me. God rewards prayer. But I do humbly say, sisters and brothers, pray for me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work throughout the ages that you said you would build your church and the gates of hell will not, cannot prevail against it. And Lord, history bears it out that your work has gone on since the time of Jesus Christ when it has been attacked and vilified and mocked, and yet your work continues. And I pray that we would be faithful to you. Lord, I thank you for these dear folk. I thank you for their faithfulness to you. And I pray that together we would be the type of church you want us to be. Lord, I pray that you would help me to faithfully carry out the calling of you, that you would help me to finish well, and Lord, that you would be honored through this church body and in this community. Lord, we plead your mercies. We, We don't have it in and of ourselves, and without you, we can do nothing. But, Lord, we thank you that through you we can do all things, for you it is that goes before us, and you have already won the victory. So, Lord, we do ask that you would help us to be what you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.